And how you doing, web slingers? Welcome to Nom Talk Network. I am your host for the evening. I am Kenji, also known as the Kenjinator. I am joined by Alejandro and Tony tonight. Tonight we are going to be talking about the amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield movie, which coincidentally happened to be celebrating its 10th anniversary on July 3rd, which is kind of crazy to think that that movie's been out for 10 years. Um, obviously, like there were the reviews that people had. There were some mixed responses to the movie when it first came out. But um, you know what? I feel like No Way Home kind of, I feel like after No Way Home, people have been singing a completely different tune. It's really, really interesting. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, before we get talking to about that movie, we like to uh, nom and binge while we watch and binge. And uh, we're going to be uh, sharing the things that we uh, like to eat tonight. I'm not eating while I host because I feel like that's a little bit distracting because I want to, I want to be involved, but later on, I'm going to be eating this demon slayer beef bowl that my mom got me from Japan. It's crazy. It's just like a packet that you heat up in water and then you just got like a delicious meal that you put on top of rice. <laughs> um, Tony, what are you uh, uh, binging on tonight? Uh, water. Nice. <laughs> it's the essence of life. But, I, feel but like- I, I am breaking out like my super favorite cup of all time. This is a gift from a friend. So there's Iron Man on one side, Thanos on the other. And then there's actually my tag right there at the Tony Sanchez right there. And then oh, the best nice. part, my puppy. That's my puppy. Oh, that's oh, cute. That that's so a little live long and prosper right there. So, and oh that's my God. So yeah, it's it's my favorite cup ever. So it's that little Shiba Inu. It is, yes. Oh, it's like my favorite. That's my favorite dog, like, honestly. He's somewhere here, but like, yeah, this is probably the most social you'll ever you'll ever see him. He's there. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't really like the the, the spotlight of a camera. So I, I guess I see he's shy. Alejandro, what about you? What are you going to be uh, binging well, tonight? <clears throat> I'm totally opposite everybody here. I'm, I'm kind of overkilling it. So I got my uh, excellent cherry Dr. Pepper here. All right. Nice, and nice, nice. like a proper Spider-Man, I'm just going to go ahead and down some pizza here, some New York style pizza. And then Ooh, I, you nice. know, I can't stop over there. I got some garlic bread I'm going over here. <laughs> I have some mozzarella cheese sticks over here. So I, my goal is to follow along with you guys and not just go... <laughs> I promise I'll be quiet. I'll munch in the condensers right here and I'll just, I'll be very attentive. I will. You know, with the amount that you list, the amount of food that you just listed, like, don't be surprised if suddenly, like, my background starts changing. Like, suddenly you just see me, like, trying to leave and stuff like that. Cause <laughs> I'm hoping you eat that food. I know, right? All of a sudden you're like next to me. It's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, man. Dude, actually, I did have pizza earlier, so I don't feel too bad about this. I don't feel too bad. I don't feel too bad. But yes, yeah, so here we are. We're talking about Amazing Spider-Man, starring Andrew Garfield. We, as a, of course, the title character of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. We had uh, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy's, I feel like Gwen Stacy's first on-screen appearance, I feel like, besides the, uh, I don't even think she appeared in the cartoons. Um, and then we also have, uh, uh, was it Reese Ifans, Ifans? Uh, jury's still out on the pronunciation as uh, Kurt Connors and of course Dennis Leary you know 
not being an asshole for a change and just <laughs> being being well you know what i mean you, you know what i mean though tony like the actual like you know his his famous stand-up routines uh and his song uh but you know he's being a cop uh the the, the great uh what is it uh, was it captain stacy uh I, yeah captain yeah and uh but yeah we it was really interesting. I, we also had Sally Fields as Aunt May, and uh, it was Martin Sheen, right? I believe yep. as yep. Uh, there's so many Sheens out there. Yeah, the, uh, Sheen, the Sheen family. He was the head of it at the time, Bim. Yeah, we had Martin Sheen as the as uh, Uncle Ben. I mean, so it was it was interesting to see this new take on. Spider-Man, especially after it was like we got a new origin story, which it was it was weird because I guess it had been 10 years since the first Spider-Man movie. But I still felt like even when it first when it came out, like. Even I myself was like, didn't we just have a. Did we just have like the last Spider-Man like Spider-Man three was only like, what, five years prior to that. So like the fact that we suddenly had this new spider-man and we got another origin story was just kind of like interesting because we weren't continuing on with the storyline we got this whole new uh thing uh not to mention uh we actually finally got you know accurate we in well accurate's a loose word right because uh <laughs> because we, we have a spider-man who you know like in the com we had who you know in the comic books you know, builds his own suit, builds his own web shooters, you know, which was great that we finally got the web shooters involved. But we, I, we, I felt like we had a Peter Parker. Here's Andrew Garfield is a great Spider-Man. He is a great Spider-Man. He is a fantastic Spider-Man. Like I actually think he nails Spider-Man. Like honestly, actually out of the three that are out, out of the three Spider-Man that we have, I actually think he's the best Spider-Man. I think he's the best Spider-Man. Go on. However, I thought he was just too cool. He was just really cool. Like, I saw him and I was like, I don't think for a moment that you are treated like a geek at this school. <laughs> like, you starting already? Are we getting into it already? Is, is the discourse finally here? But like I said, though, with that said, though, I still think he is the best Spider-Man. I think he's the best Spider-Man, though. Like, he has the best attitude. He looks, I feel like he looks the best in the suit, frankly. Physically, I think he looks great in the suit. He has the attitude. I actually loved him in the suit. It was, that was just the only problem I had. However, I will say, with that said, though, in the 90s, when like Bagley was starting to do the, the artwork for the comic books, Andrew Garfield does look like the Peter Parker during the Bagley run of Amazing Spider-Man. So with that said, like a part of me is like, I'm like, I teeter-totter between the two because it's like, yeah, he does look like the Peter Parker in the comic books. But that was a... Uh, <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, it's like, that's honestly, but it's not just, but I do feel like physically he was, the physicality of that Spider-Man was the best 
for sure, though. Um, Tony, you were giving me the stink eye while I was talking about this. Uh, your opinions on the whole Gar- on the Andrew Garfield uh, uh, as Spider Man? Yeah, uh, nerds really don't like when Peter Parker is better looking than them. They really don't effing like it, and Andrew Garfield like definitely proves it. And as far as like him being too cool, I really push back at this idea that every Peter Parker has to be the Tobey Maguire Silver Age Peter Parker, that you can be a socially awkward and that your own feelings of isolation definitely qualify enough to fulfill the criteria that we set down for Peter Parker. As far as like him being like socially successful enough, to me it feels like if you're trying to create a live action Peter Parker and if you're trying to introduce a a note of realism you could not be so successfully you could not be so socially unsuccessful that you wouldn't be able to bag people like Mary Jane Watson and Gwen Stacy like there has to be and I think there's also this weird expectation that especially amongst like not amongst the gentlemen here but definitely amongst the larger like nerd population this idea that somehow being just nice and funny apparently makes you too cool and too successful especially amongst your peers and it's like those are very very baseline requirements just being like a decent human being but apparently if you put it coming from a person who looks like Andrew Garfield, it was just a step too far. And I feel like that's definitely where, for me, it just kind of felt like that argument never really got off the ground. The idea that somehow like this Peter Parker is just way too cool to ever be like considered a proper nerd. And I'm like, first off, one, what you're doing is calling Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland a couple of chuds, which I definitely reject, not at all. And oh no, absolutely not. No, not you. I just feel like the larger discourse, which is like, he's too good looking. He's too cool. And I'm like, what are y'all saying about Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland then? And Tom Holland has that really great story where he's like, I was on my way to an audition. And uh, the cab driver is like, I feel like you got a really good shot because the last guy I brought over there was just way too good looking. And it's just like, what the fuck are you saying to Tom Holland right now? But also, I just feel like as far as like him being too cool at... one I think what people are registering is the chemistry he has with the overall cast especially with Emma Stone that was just effing palpable and for me kind of makes the movie and makes both of those movies in fact it's the only reason why I actually ever go back and rewatch those Um, and also the chemistry he does have with Sally Field with Martin Sheen with Dennis Leary I think it's just absolutely palpable I think it's the right casting I get how some people are just like, I had an idea of what Peter Parker was, but like my uh, contention would be like, to me, it sounds like most people have a very silver age perception of Peter Parker, which is fine. But for me, like I was a huge fan of Ultimate Spider-Man and all that, and you know, the Ultimate Marvel storyline. So to me, this definitely fit, you know, Peter Parker in the Ultimate storyline, he's a smart ass. He's definitely more brash than his uh, counterparts from the 60s, 70s and 80s. And I would say even in the 90s. So to me, there was a definite shift in like redefining what a nerdy Peter Parker was. It wasn't this, you know, spectacles and suspenders and like, you know, the bottle, uh, the Coke bottle glasses. It was actually something more about his own isolation rather than fulfilling some like stereotypical benchmarks of like nerdiness and uncoolness. It was more about like him just one, not really vibing with like the people in his school just because they were like, what a weirdo. But it's like, of course he's a weirdo. He's like gone under like some severe trauma 
doesn't know who his parents are, doesn't know, or he knows who his parents are, but he doesn't know where they, where they went, what happened to them really. Um, and now he's just kind of living this weird uh, lifestyle with his not quite parents, his aunt and uncle, he loses the uncle, depending on where you're at in the storyline, he's lost loves, lost, lost friends, and now dealing with these new superpowers. Of course, it's like that, like, yeah, that weird kid. He's, we all know that kid. We know a kid who's just like, man, he would be really cool if he would just like calm the F down. But <laughs> no, that's I, why I really push back. And so whenever I just start squirming and I'm just like, oh no, like, no, I, I, I really love this Peter oh. Parker. Um, and I really love that interpretation. And there are definitely comic book versions that definitely support this interpretation of Peter. Oh no, and, and absolutely, that's the thing. And I even, and I agree with you on that one. It's like, I, there are, a lot of comic book images even like i said the bag he looks like the spitting image of the bagley run of of spider-man so like of peter parker so it's like it's kind of like i like it's like i'm also a libra so i'm stuck in the middle anyways when it comes to this shit so um, <laughs> um but i will say like but i agree though like andrew garfield is an amazing actor and the chemistry that he has with these with the entire cast is absolutely fantastic like i will say that like he i think he is like i will agree he is a, an amazing actor and you know to it probably is like a privilege to be acting opposite of him because it does seem like he really brings something special to the set uh alejandro how do you feel about uh andrew garfield as the web slinger i'm gonna be honest with you i came into this film not being a super fan of spider-man um uh, in fact, the only comic I had was I got at a um, what's I got at a flea market in Alabama, and it was the introduction of Wolverine versus Spider-Man, and it was they duped it out. I was just I was just you know I didn't know what X-Men were at the time being. I was familiar with Spider-Man because of the Marvel comics, and in all reality, I was being introduced to a lot of things. That being said, um, I kind of segued a little bit and went off to more in the X-Men direction. So. My introduction was Tobey Maguire. So I was like, all right, cool. This is what this is supposedly what the Spider-Man is. Um, the one thing that I found very interesting, and Tony, you brought this up, and Kenji, you started this right here, is the persona of Andrew Gar Garfield, or who he was, the character type as well. Um, the reason why I said that was you both mentioned it right off the bat. Uh, he seems to be a more, I would say, positive, more of a Spider-Man to me than he would be a Peter Parker. However, I related to him more than I did anybody. In fact, you guys can uh, go ahead and <clears throat> scold me later. I actually only watched this film a year ago. So I actually kind of chilled back and delayed watching it for a very, very long time. Um, and then it went on to, you know, following up and catching up. But the fact that I could relate to a Spider-Man being, you know, not exactly necessarily one side or the other. And what I mean by that, it's like, you know, like I said, interpretation to who you are, people thinking that, you know, oh, okay, you know, you don't look like... I would say you're in a rough situation where you may be in general. However, um, once again, I, I guess I, I feel like I'm reiterating on what you both capitalized on. So, you know, what so well, uh, I do see him more as a dominant Spider-Man. Um, I, his cool guy routine to me, is not necessarily cool. It's more along the lines of being quirky. Uh, to me, I think it's just, he happens to be a snarky, sarcastic individual as well. Um, uh, to me, uh, I, I kind of think that, as I'm, as my brain is going faster than my actual mouth, or you know, mouth going actual faster than my actual brain, I do think he actually reflects those moments pretty well um, in that aspect of it. So, being a high-strung teenager in life at the same time, you know, kind of taking it for what it is, and at the, you know, and 
and Tony mentioned this before, the amount of trauma that follows him, you know, in general is insane. And no matter what part in the story you go to, it's like Mack truck after Mack truck. And uh, excuse me, the clap there, but Mack truck after Mack truck. So uh, in the end, I would say that out of all three of them, I prefer his cockiness in his retorts when he fights villains. I wouldn't say there's certain things I always agree with because um, I, I don't want to digress into, you know, into the second or third film. We could talk about that later, but I, I believe he kind of captures a little bit more of what I expect out of Spider-Man in No Way Home. But hey, neither here or there. But in this one, once again, I, I do agree with you guys. He's more of a, or I agree, at least with you, Kenji, I'm, Tony, I'm not too sure where you stand on that. I think he's a little bit more dominantly Spider-Man than he is a Peter Parker. I, yeah, I think there's just a generational shift too, where it's like the people who are watching the movie and judging a Peter Parker are not the same age of folks who are creating this 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 Peter Parker. So to them, I mean, I guess like to us, especially, we're just like, that's a cutie. And no, we, we would like that guy. I would hang out with that guy. That seems like a guy that I would hang out and anybody else would hang out with. But I feel like the folks who were creating that version, definitely taking heavily from uh the comics and not really giving it a second thought because i think at that point when you have andrew garfield you're just really happy that one you have somebody of his caliber and two you're really excited that you have somebody who's excited to be spider-man um i whenever i just want to go ahead and cry my eyes out i watch that video of him showing up at comic-con <laughs> as if he's oh, like a cat yeah. oh my god yeah himself, and all of a sudden he's like on the verge of tears and talking about how much like spider-man means to him so i think there is something also there about the generational like interpretation of casting somebody like andrew garfield i think that's probably the most i would ever give to anybody who would like claim that like yeah andrew garfield was like it's okay but like too cool and it's like i i think that there's a different way in which somebody who's older than the target crowd would interpret somebody looking at Andrew Garfield. Cause like Andrew Garfield is not at all. Like, for example, if you compare him to the flash Thompson character, it's like that of course is their interpretation of like a cool guy, the bully, the one who probably like, you know, uh, has no problem, you know, at least socially. And Andrew Garfield just looks like a weird scrawny kid with like poofy hair. I will say like I graduated I, I graduated in 2007 so that was five years like that was like almost like five years after I graduated so for all I know school is really freaking changed okay so like now like, yeah I will I will say though I mean in that in that retort there I didn't sorry to interrupt that like I do agree in regards to the bully life and who he was. And the reason why I say he's more relatable in general, I graduated in 2004 myself. So, uh, and you get that kind of thing and you see the classic, you know, you know, big guy out there, you know, retorting bully wise. And then if you look at Andy Garfield, to me, he was more of a, a theater kid in a sense. And that's what I was seeing theater kid with an essence of a tough guy. And when I, when I say that's why I guess what I mean, like the quirkiness there. So I guess that I, I guess maybe it's because, Long story short, I didn't join theater until after I got out of high school because I was always afraid of what everybody would think of me. So in that, I guess in my mind, I'm always thinking that, you know, that he, and then again, then again, Andrew Garfield, I, I'm trying to think of him as only, strictly only Spider-Man. And the reason why I'm saying this is because now I see him in other films and he's in a lot of musicals and stuff like that. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. No, hold on. That's not the, <laughs> I got to take that character because you got to get, get that away. Even though that makes sense, I, I'm trying to make sure I don't let that distract my thought process. That's all. <laughs> But I mean, how many times have we been like looking back at like our high school yearbooks and we're just like, that person was really hot and really cute. <laughs> no, 
understand what they're <laughs> yeah. doing. This idea That's very that valid. they were like not cool or not likable or they didn't have friends or they weren't popular and you're just like everybody I knew liked them but like for some reason they just weren't part of the A crowd or whatever the hell like I I, I graduated in 2002 so by this point when you know this movie is out in 2012 I'm just expecting like yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm a good 10 years out I should probably have a couple kids right now that are all, that <laughs> honestly on their way to high school so yeah my expectation was like yeah things have definitely changed and that's fine and that's okay and again to me it's more about his own feelings of isolation and awkwardness rather than and I think you know in the film it's not like he's ever shown like like the bullies go light on him or the girls are just like somehow any warmer to him but for some reason honestly because of the way he looks because we deem Andrew Garfield to be more classically good looking than Tobey Maguire or Tom Holland I think that's when people are just kind of like come on it's like but seriously we know those people we know those people that you're just like it's a good looking guy if he would just calm the fuck down <laughs> and pick up some social skills we all know that you're all thinking of one person that you know in your life that you're just Actually, like <laughs> Actually, funny you mentioned that because I feel like Alejandro, because of where you, I don't know if you still work at Universal, but because of where you work, you actually might know someone that I know that is exactly who she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I see the fifth, but yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess on on that same note, though, you know, it's interesting because you get the quirky character type of who he is. Right. And and I will say, in my opinion, without digressing too much. Him, his emotional PTSD moments he's having as Peter Parker, like the moment where he actually I I can't I'm I'm thinking I can't sorry, I can't think of the bully's name Uh, like he like literally picks that they yeah. They're right there. And he, he goes, hey, look, are you OK? He just, you know, I'm really worried about you. And the moments that he's having down and out, just like obviously in the zone of depression, I will say that I felt as if he played those like on par. I mean, and the reason why I say on par is because you don't really know because when it comes to suffering and, and depression, anxiety, like no one does it the same. You know, there might be some similarities and so forth as well. So you really don't know what to expect other than I would say unusual characteristics of that character. So him being uh spider-man and then him going to being peter parker and you know losing you know losing uncle ben and being because like i did i always go back to toby mcguire and seeing you know let's let's disregard the whole ugly crying concept but the way the fact that you know you know ben dies uncle ben dies there and how it happens and how he responds is literally a whole 180 to how Andrew Garfield responds in a sense. I, to me, the buildup, the the like I said, even though I told you guys the, the sarcasm he has, the anger that he holds, he even kind of holds it back a little bit, and he kind of holds, he uses humor as his as his retort. But you see in his movements and so forth as he as he goes and goes for after his killer in a in a sense, because um, I don't mean to digress too much. I, I find that like fascinating, the buildup, the anger in it. However, I do think you know the fact that he really portrayed a hurt teenager a a lost soul you know and the fact that he was surrounded by kids and in in just tons of teenagers whether it was drama or not he was stuck in that depressive state in that zone and i just thought you know honestly and i think that's probably why i i I like him uh more and more in regards to his style as spider-man just because his portrayal as peter parker or as that teenager felt real i guess 
I also think the reason why I really love this take on, on, on Spider-Man and Peter Parker is because I think it's the first time that I've seen Peter Parker and Spider-Man be used as a, and I don't know if this is a, at all intentional, but it's definitely the way I, I interpreted uh, Peter Parker and their Spidey sense as a uh, metaphor for neurodivergence. So like for ADHD, for autism, for sensory processing disorders, um, that scene where, you know, uh, when he's just kind of like on edge because he can't figure out how to brush his teeth without like just destroying everything. And he's just having this like really weird moment processing all the input because he can hear the spider that's like crawling across the wall. And he's just like completely on edge. And I even took the way in which, um, it kind of just makes him, um, not scattered, but like erratic, um that to me was like oh so like this is and again I have no idea if Andrew Garfield intended to play it this way but that's definitely the way in which I interpreted it because it does feel like sometimes you're just there are days when you're just completely hyper fixated on something that nobody else can hear nobody else can it would ever be bothered by like the hum of a, of a machine or uh the way in which the light is like hitting a certain thing um so I really love this take on that and I um <laughs> and when I go back I mean that's still that interpretation still holds up and it's not just something that like I took you know just on the first viewing and just kind of like abandoned no I actually I totally uh, agree like the way it, it's he definitely does portray him in a way that like I kind of you know, feel like I kind of agree with what you're saying because like you know like for me, like I, I have ADD, uh, ADHD as well. And like, and for me, the sound that I focus on is that weird high pitch tone that you hear when like you're in a quiet room. Like I'm always hearing that and I'm always fixated on that. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> but um, like I will say like, before we uh, continue on, I actually realized we uh, have not uh, given our popcorn ratings. Uh, so, uh, the popcorn ratings, the way that it works is we give uh, our, our idea of, you know, how many popcorn buckets we give it. You know, one popcorn being the worst, five popcorns being the best. And uh, yeah, so you get the idea. Tony, how many buckets of popcorn will you give me? I'm basing this completely and totally on my enjoyment of the film, not necessarily on... You just asked me how many popcorn buckets. You didn't ask me to actually like critique this movie. Like, you know. Oh, no, not quite yet because we will be getting into that later on. Okay, great. So I'm giving it four out of five. However, I'm probably going to be very accepting of any and all criticisms launched at this movie. Just because <sighs> I get it. I understand it. I see it too. I'm not blind to it. I'm just willing to go ahead and completely dismiss them because I'm having so much fun with the cast, I'm having so much fun with the performances. I'm having so much fun with this particular iteration of Spider-Man. And I also think I can't ever escape the fact that the reason why Sony one is making any of these movies past that uh, the Sam Raimi trilogy is because within their contract and the Spider-Man rights, they had to keep on pumping out Spider-Man movie every so often, otherwise they would lose the I didn't right. know that, that's funny. That's exactly the reason why they did it actually. So yeah. whenever people were just like, why is there another Spider-Man movie? Why is this happening? Why is this coming out? We already, we, we, we're still fresh off of Spider-Man three and all of the disappointment that gave us. And it's because <laughs> like they had to, if they stop <laughs> making Spider-Man movies, they lose the rights. So 
yeah that's why this whole mcu deal you know that they have with marvel slash disney now like that's fulfilling a lot of the boxes fascinating those rights are never really gonna ever flip over unless they just choose to go ahead and sell them but anyways i digress but yes four out of five yes uh alejandro how about you how your face fix your face Uh, i i'm like that blows my mind. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, not we'll, trying we'll to be get, dramatic. We'll, we'll get into the, we'll get into yeah, all totally, the stuff yeah. about this movie. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, the, that the blows poli- my mind. The back politics later on as well. We'll get into all that. Um, so mine's different. Uh, like I said, perspective from where I came from, just saw the films, three out of five. Got it. And I, first of all, I am very excited to announce this because we are having a first for Nam Talk Network. This has never happened before in any podcast that we've had. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the half bucket with my <laughs> rating of three and a half buckets. Ta-da! <laughs> Look at it. It's glory. The half bucket. It's, it's never happened in, in ever. Drink in, it in. Or in this is, I guess, eat concern. it. Eat it up. Mm. Eat it up because mm. that is, in fact, a first for us. But yes, I give it a three and a half. Uh, and, you know, and I have its reasons for it. And it's, you know, and it's also in comparison also to the other Spider-Man movies as well, like and where they come onto the scale as well. So like, you know, it's, it's all, it, it's a curved scale. Unfortunately, this is, in this class, we, we grade on a curve. So, <laughs> so because of that, um, we, uh, <laughs> so because of that, we, uh, I have to basically do it, but yes, three and a half out of five. And, uh, and it has a lot to do with the story. I have my, uh, one of my gripes I have with the story is that we have a brand new origin story because like you said, Tony, we just came off of Spider-Man 3 and what, <laughs> what they presented us with, us with that. So the fact that we were suddenly getting, first of all, we weren't getting the Spider-Man 4 that everyone had been hearing about on the internet you know, Sam Raimi's supposed Spider-Man 4. So the fact that that didn't happen, we were really interested. We were kind of surprised to see this amazing Spider-Man movie. Not to mention it was this whole origin story movie as well. And so like that meant we, we saw Uncle Ben getting shot again. We hear Uncle Ben kind of tell us that with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> you know and also we also have one of my biggest gripes that i have which is the fact that at the very end of the movie um he despite the fact that captain stacy says please leave my daughter out of this shit he goes Nah. It just basically decides <laughs> to talk to Gwen anyways. And here's the thing. It's not even like he decides to like, oh, I'm just going to be friends with Gwen. No, no, no. He full on decides to just completely make her like a romantic interest. You know, the it's thing that he, this guy actually, the, yeah, the, the dying, the wish of a dying man. He literally said, don't get her involved in any of this. So like the fact that you're even talking to her even remotely again would be bad. But at least being like at arm's distance away, just being like, yeah, you know, I'm happy for you. And that guy you're dating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just to like, 
because like, but then the fact that just at the very end of the movie just goes, yeah, but it's fun to break the rules or whatever the hell he says. <laughs> it's what he says. It's just like, uh, and it's because of that, it kind of brings my rating down a little bit more. Also, sometimes if also, uh, I've some of Connors is, uh, reasons for doing the things that he does. Like, first of all, a lot of villains have really bad story, <laughs> really bad, <laughs> have really bad motivations. But with that said, though, like Connor's, his was a little bit more interesting. But I will say, I loved how they, their rendition of the lizard. I loved the way it looked. I loved the way he moved, the way he fought. Rice Evans gave, did a great portrayal of him. Uh, you know, like just the way that he moved alongside Spider-Man when he was doing like that combat in the hallway was phenomenal. But yes, like, I mean, my biggest gripe is a lot with the stories. Um, and uh, yeah, Alejandro, how do you feel about the story? That was my issue. Um, like I said, the, the thing was uh, at the time being uh, from a brand new, I would say um, feature fan uh, coming into it. I knew, like I said, I only read one comic. So like I said, I had, I had due diligence and research that I had to do. So, but then again, at that time being, as you said, I, I was confused why so many Spider-Man movies were coming out that I, from somebody that had no idea. I was like, why is this being released this way? Like, why are we doing this from this format? So to me, it was one of those things where I, that's why I'm so fascinated by what you guys were you know, mentioning, because I was like, Oh, that, that makes a lot more sense. Um, but from anybody coming in, and expecting it, like you said, the origin story slightly changes, does change, has the characters, new love interest. And I guess at the time being, it was one of the things I felt like they were wiping the slate, like they were trying to change something else and immediately start over again. And, and from that point of view, if I was just looking at it outside looking in, that's where it immediately went from five to three to me, because it felt like they didn't know in what direction the story was supposed to go in. And yet they had so much of a nice foundation of already of a foundation and history of Spider-Man, a fan base to make it, okay, cool. You're going to know who Peter Park is. You're going to know who uncle Ben, you're going to know these people, you know, these people, you know, in regards to that. So I guess to me, to me, my major complaint was, you know, coming into it, not being aware of, of the necessary storyline, it seemed a little confusing to some extent, only in that regard. Um, but what got me into it once again was Andrew, Garf Andrew Garfield, just who he was, just his character type, just the acting. I kept my attention was there because I felt his pain. I felt his, his, his story, his progression, what he was doing. So um, I guess ultimately the reason why, you know, my score down there was my major complaint was just the direction and the story pacing was my, my major complaint. Um, so it ultimately knocked down the foundation to three on that regard. Uh, but other than that, uh, really, I, I felt like I said, I was happy with the main character. Um, in that regard, I will say I was a little like, yo, why did you go? <laughs> why did you go after home after <laughs> your father did say, you know, wait a minute, you know, I, I thought that was kind of a, a dickhead move to do to some extent. But I, I felt like because I, I was also upset with him in his communication with Uncle Ben, you know, I was also upset about the whole situation there. And yeah, maybe I didn't take it personal that he, he let homeboy go to go, you know, eventually go, here you go. And you know, cause you're angry and I get it. But I guess what upset me so much about that was he was, his responses in that regard were too teenage. I, that's what, what ultimately was like, all right, it, it sucks that it took a death for you to grow up, but I understand that, you know, in some cases it happens, people have to get that smack in the face. Uh, but 
ultimately, I'd say that was my biggest complaint, and I'll stop it there right there. It essentially was the story pacing, and this is just from a perspective for somebody coming in that was, you know, genuinely aware of the story spider. Tony, your opinions um, on the story. I mean, you already heard, heard a little bit about it earlier on, but I would love to hear more. Yeah, I think whenever I'm talking about, you know, when I said, like, I'm dismissing, you know, and giving a lot of latitude because of the fact, you know, the meta reasons, the fact that Sony, th it's not like anybody went to Sony and said, I have this amazing Spider-Man story. I just need to tell it. You need to give me this. It's a story that needs to be told. No, Sony was like, we got to make a movie. Somebody give me a Spider-Man movie. Go get one. And <laughs> And then you can tell, you know, when you mentioned like, you know, Martin Sheen very clumsily working around trying to talk about responsibility without saying with great power comes responsibility. It's only because they're trying to deviate enough so that way there is enough separation between the Sam Raimi trilogy and this new one. Um, the other thing, too, that's on my mind was the fact that like this movie came out in 2012. Iron Man came out in 2008. So it was literally just the beginning of the MCU. And at that point, there was still this idea that somehow the MCU was going to be this one and done, uh, the idea of pulling together all of these, you know, uh, smaller franchises into a mega franchise movie, The Avengers, that, you know, by and large, people were just kind of like, this is a trend, it's not going to be something that works. And if it does, it's going to be a fluke, right? So you can kind of see Sony saying, <laughs> just in case it's not a fluke. And we do need to set up our own little Spider-Verse. And we do need to set up a, a trilogy centered around Spider-Man. And he will be our Iron Man. You can kind of see why they're making the decisions that they do. The idea that he has to say that bullshit last line at the end of the movie is only so that way people can kind of know, hey, there's a sequel on the way. Because it would have been way more impactful if he had just stayed quiet, sat in his seat, and just shut the F up. It would have been like so much more impactful. It would have made way more sense for the fact that like yeah you just gave a dying man your promise like on your honor and you just completely like three days later you're fine like three days after his funeral you're like and enough of that that was enough of that we don't need to go ahead and keep that kind of promise and it's just <laughs> only because they're trying to move to a way where they can kind of tease the same kind of um you know pipeline that marvel was already setting up over there you know across town i mean yeah so for me it's like knowing that some of this is very much studio interference. A lot of this is trying to build up a mega franchise of their own, but also not invest so entirely just in case the whole MCU thing just completely implodes on itself, which huh? <laughs> so many years later, it didn't. Um, so it just, to me, it's like, I get why the decisions are being made. These are not, you know, uh, story-driven choices. These are not character-driven choices. So I am inclined to give a lot of latitude to that just because like when you're a director producer writer sometimes you're at the mercy of a studio and you just have to make the best of a shit situation so yeah that's why I'm kind of like mm, I hear everything you're saying I agree with everything y'all have said about that story I 100% agree I think it's a really bullshit thing for uh Dr. Connor's uh motivation to be literally ableism because I don't think his condition was ever yeah. life mean, It was just the fact that he was missing an arm. Um, so it just was like, wow, dude, like it, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't quite hold up. Like uh, it, yeah. So it's just a lot of things that just don't hold up under scrutiny. 
But again, along the way, there are some really cool things. Like, do I completely fall for the whole Spidey Connors fight in the in the library with Stanley in his little headphones? I eat that shit up. I love oh, yeah. it. Couldn't love anything more. Like, so I'm enjoying myself at, you know, for the ride, but like, yeah, the seams are very, very apparent and visible. And it's just like I've I've elected to just suspend my disbelief, suspend my, my critical brain for just that moment. And when I am later on a, on a podcast, I can then talk about it. Uh, but yeah, in the moment, I it, it doesn't stop me from enjoying the overall experience. But yeah, I, I see every single thing you guys are saying, and I don't disagree with them. <laughs> so earlier, uh, I thank you for your input. I, I actually seriously like I'm glad that I, I'm not upsetting you with my opinions because like when I got no, that speak earlier, I was like, oh man, oh no, this is going to be one of those podcasts. Where- <laughs> oh, and I'm so sorry that unfortunately it's like, I think I'm raging more against just the overall reaction to Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, not necessarily anything that's happening here. Not at all. Like, no, I mean, I mean yeah. here's the thing. I, actually, I absolutely 100% adore andrew garfield too so like I'm, i don't want to say like i'm yeah. like i'm like no. i'm not the toxic populace i'm just trying to say dude we're talking <laughs> movies right here we could call you know each other's mom sluts and we would just like take hands like gentlemen and be like hey, hey your mom's movie. a nice lady it was a, mo- it was a movie podcast like i mm, like we're wiping the slate clean like i would have been like totally okay but i know yeah, your mom. she's a nice <laughs> so. <laughs> so earlier we actually had a cue ball uh mentioning that uh that he was having, uh, what was it? He, I think he was having pork chops and fries. I think he said he had. Mm. So, cue ball. First of all, thank you so much for joining us again. We love when you do. We love when you do. We love when you do. Uh, so, I mean, as we were mentioning, like the the fight sequences in the the movie, like obviously, like uh, I just kind of want to do a, a slight humble brag because um, obviously, because uh, I got an opportunity to meet one of the uh, Spider Man stuntmen. Uh, while I was working on uh, various productions, uh, I so Ilram Choi did the a lot of the swinging stunts for Andrew Garfield. Which, first of all, I actually one hundred percent loved the swinging in Amazing Spider-Man. I loved the way that he contorted his body, like very much like it did in the comic books. That was like one of the issues I actually had with the Sam Raimi movies was that it was like he was just a little too like he posed. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of going through, a, but yeah, yeah 100%. This one, this one, he was just, just like, yeah, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna do the spaghetti pose, you know, like just, he just like all gets contorted and stuff. Um, the uh, but yeah, the but the other one, uh, the other stunt man was a guy by the name of William Spencer, and I got really lucky to uh, work with him on a show. It was like a scene where there was a bunch of skateboarders, he basically did a lot of the uh, uh, a lot, all the flips that you see uh, Andrew Garfield do uh, in this first movie, he ultimately ended up doing the majority of the stunts in the second movie as well. But uh, he did a lot of the, the skateboard montage that you see in the movie. And so like, I got to see him doing the skateboarding thing. And I was like, I feel like I know this guy. And then I finally saw him turn around. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So, like, <laughs> when, when they called a cut and they were rest, uh changing this the shot around because it was going to be about 20 minutes for set, resetting up the camera i just kind of walked over i was like are you william spencer and he's like dude uh yeah do you know me because you look at the call sheet or i was like no no no. i know who you are because you're freaking spider-man dude he goes i mean 
He was like, yeah, I mean, I guess I am Spider-Man. I was like, no, you don't guess you are Spider-Man. You are Spider-Man, dude. I, he was, I told him, like, look, Andrew Garfield may be, like, the guy who does, like, the acting and stuff like that. But, like, when it comes to all those action sequences, you know, ultimately, the performance is only half as good as it is because you guys are there doing the crazy stuff to make it look awesome. And he just was like, wow, I, you know, he was, yeah, I guess, I guess I, he got very humbled by that statement because, you know, I feel like, you know, stuntmen don't get the love that they deserve. They really don't. Stuntmen don't get the love that they deserve. Uh, Hashtag make stunts an Oscar category. Um, Seriously, 100%. Like, I feel like that's, I mean, we've gotten to the point where like, I mean, of course, I I worry that if we do that, Tom Cruise is going to be nominated every year. Um, <laughs> he's gonna do something him crazy. And, him and his no insurance. Uh, God dang, man! Like, uh, okay, every, dude, every time he does a show, there's insurance companies that are scared of him. They back out. So it's crazy. Like the ones that do it. Oh man, you're right. He'd probably. Oh well, man. <laughs> I mean, I I think the greatest thing was probably was the Matt was the was an interview that Matt Damon did on uh, Stephen Colbert where he said like it was right after uh, uh, Tom Cruise had done the the uh, the one where he's. Where, where Tom Cruise runs on the outside of the Burj Khalifa. Yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot which one. I think that was the fifth one or the fourth one. But the uh, fourth one. Okay. So uh, he, for that scene, he, he first, he's like, it, Matt Damon was like, so how do you prepare for a scene like that? So Tom Cruise goes, apparently goes, so I, I, go up to the, I go up to my safety guy, right? I tell him my idea for the stunt. Yeah. And he tells me, you can't do that. That's way too dangerous. So I go, okay. So I get a new safety guy and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Tom, I'm convinced Tom Cruise feels nothing anymore unless he's like hanging on the side of an airplane. It's the only reason why he's ramping up all of these stunts because he, he just wants to feel alive if only for a moment. And it's the only reason why we're getting it. And it's only just so lucky that he's a, he's an actor with like an incredible amount of pull that he can go ahead and make those things happen for our benefit and our entertainment. Oh. Yeah. Poor yeah right. He has like, no, yeah. <laughs> just off all of his emotional endings over the years. Like <laughs> actually, I just recently speaking of, I actually just recently saw Top Gun Maverick. And uh, shortly after that, my girlfriend showed me a TikTok where I said, I basically, it's a review of the movie. And it said, I just watched a two hour movie explaining why we don't have universal health care. <laughs> and then in the captions it says overall as far as propaganda movies go i give it an eight <laughs> but anyways we're, we're digressing we're, we're straying away from the from the main story we're talking about spider-man but i mean so production wise i actually want to talk about the suit like so for, like, I mean, we had the Sam Raimi suit, which I actually thought was a great looking suit. I wish they had done something different for the symbiote suit. But as far as like the, st- the standard red and blue, we got a pretty standard good looking suit. I kind of really loved the look that they gave this Spider-Man suit because it really looked homemade. Like you had the cleats kind of sort of on the bottom of the, of the shoes, which in the way you kind of think about it, it make no sense because of the way that he sticks to walls. But, um, <laughs> but it's, but it looks cool because like, I, I just realized that I was thinking about that. I was like, That's a, wait a minute. But I mean, the design I thought looked fantastic. It really looks like 
something that someone would make in their backyard, uh, backyard in their in their room, uh, you know, like drinking Dr. Pepper, you know, and just stand up all night. I love his little thing that he does with the little web where he's just like, <laughs> and he finally figures it out. <laughs> like, I, I love that. As far as montages go, I think it's great. Like, the thing is, I, there's so many great moments in this movie, but there's also so many good moments in the second movie too. But like, that's a, that's a whole nother story too. Cause like, sometimes you, it gets mingled up, but I actually overall loved the suit. I love the way it looked. Um, I think the homemade suit that he does where he's just running around in the jacket at one point also looks great too. You know, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Tony, what did you, what were your ideas about the suit? They were trying really hard to not look like Tobey Maguire. That's what I think. <laughs> I think they were trying With the gold to the They absolutely were like, how do we like, you know, okay, we can't have the eyes look like that. They have to be even more, like pronounced and exaggerated we can't have the webbing look like this on the suit because that looks too similar again like i understand that what's happening here is not necessarily a natural extension of the character and its inspiration it's definitely it's it, it's the rock in the river right like you kind of have to curve away from the toby Maguire spidey and and all the choices they made for for that uh for that set of movies so I, I, I'm not bothered by it. I know like when it first came out, people were just like, what the shit is this? This is awful. It's gross and disgusting. I hate it. But that's only because at that point we had never seen any other iteration of Spidey. And then so when Tom Holland comes along with like four new suits per movie, like we don't bat an eye on it, at it. But that's only because this movie had to come first. I think it took a lot of uh, the brunt of the hit of just being first out the gate, especially after a relatively straightforward adaptation with Tobey Maguire's Sam Raimi Spidey. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's a fine, it's okay. Um, I definitely, <laughs> I disagree with your assessment that it looks like something that somebody could make in their, in their shed, just because that's always the thing that is never explained. And that's what I really do appreciate about Tom Holland Spidey is like, yeah, that his little jumpsuit with the PJs, like, yeah, that makes sense for like a 16 year old kid from Queens to make. But as soon as like somebody like a multimillionaire who can actually fabricate super suits, like that makes sense as to why that superhero has that. But as far as like, you know, I, I you know, that's just something that you just kind of have to like get over with Spidey in the first place. Like every other Spidey has done it. Nobody ever shows Spidey like taking a sewing class at the art institute like that's just not a thing that we do for any of these projects so it's just something where it's just like yeah he's got a suit now it's cool it's fine um the look i'm okay with it it's fine it's great um you were mentioning something about oh god where did you go you said something about what was the last thing you just said you were talking about i mentioned the cleats on the feet at one point <laughs> but, uh Oh, I don't know. But anyways, I'll, I'll get back to it. But I do want to say that I definitely do appreciate the swinging style of Spidey in this one, just because, yeah, the, the Tobey Maguire, it just kind of felt like poses. And then they just kind of like had to make something happen in between those poses. And they were very like angular poses, whereas to this one actually does look like somebody who is swing, like there's actual physical momentum and there's Whoa. gravity at play. And, you know, the, the, the toe was not always perfectly flexed or pointed. And it does feel more real and more tangible to me. So I definitely appreciate, you know, just the suit in motion 
And oh, absolutely. How they do have this this perspective of like this does have to feel like somebody who is <coughs> playing with gravitational forces and who is defying those as you know as they can. And so I I yeah I, I love that bit of it. I really did. Oh, uh, absolutely. Like actually, when you were mentioning like the way that it, like look like the swinging style, like that was the thing I was trying to point out. Like Toby looked stiff. Like when to- like whoever was doing the swinging for Toby Spider Man looked a little bit. St- stiff like his leg wasn't always necessarily straight or anything like that but oh, this one you had like these nice beautiful lines uh no i you were mentioning something about um the emotional range of this spider-man of garfield spider-man versus toby Maguire. and the thing that has struck me is that this spidey suit looks far more aggressive which does play because andrew garfield does play this peter parker far more angry yeah, to see, Andrew, that's what I meant for, for the, the aggression in his, yeah. in his character and acting. Yeah, yeah. Toby's Spidey was more emotionally passive. You definitely felt like this was somebody who was constantly going through something. You definitely felt their pain. But as far as like any anger, there was never any anger infused into that, that performance. Whereas this one, this Garfield performance, it's de- like he's angry, he's frustrated, he's upset. He's like uh, to the point even driven like murderous. And that's great because it's like, yes, you should have the full range of emotion available to you whenever you're going through something. And that definitely makes it for a more believable interpretation to me. Um, so I definitely feel like, yeah, with the, you know, there's there's more red in the suit. There's more, you know, the eyes are more angular and it does look at one point, there's a, um, it's the carjacker, you know, where he's like totally like, you know, uh, just completely being an asshole to him. And he does just like uh, web him to like a wall or a fence or something. Yeah. A shot where he kind of like peers in like this and it's fucking creepy and scary for, for just a moment. But it's just like, oh yeah, this is an angry Spider-Man. This is an, an angstier Spider-Man. And I definitely appreciated how the suit reflected that. So for yeah, sure. thank you for reminding me, Kenji. Thank you. Of course. Alejandro, your ideas on the suit. Uh, yeah, uh, in, in short, pretty much uh, that I'm going to be honest with you. I sold cars for four years. I'm a sucker that sees a nice new shiny thing and I want it. Uh, whether a new edition comes out, like I've been a big paintball fan. Yeah, all they do is put a little pinstripe on the side and add a little little fender bender there and they charge me up 200 bucks. I'm like, take my money. So I saw this suit. And I fell in love, unfortunately. I was a sucker for it. Um, now, the reason being is because um, I was no bigger than 110 pounds soaking wet for the majority of my life until I hit adulthood. And to see a lanky, lanky, skinny Spider-Man that still had some muscle mass, but it looked really good in that suit. And I was like, oh, he's tiny, but he can hit people. This is great. And And I think... The reason why I got so aggressive with it is, and I, and um, is because what I mentioned earlier, and, and Tony, you just fell back on it, and Kenji, you mentioned just the way as it, regardless whether it was Andrew Garfield, predominantly this, his stunt double, actually looking the way he does in his suit, and 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 Tony, you mentioned it earlier because I, 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 what got to me with him being this persona, this character, especially is a carjack scene, because here he is at the moment, as you said, I'm not trying to guess too much, trying to find the killer and he has him he thinks he has him and at this point he's already did the prey thing plastered both his arms to the freaking brick wall at this point this guy has fear in his eyes and he just covers his mouth and at that moment he can't breathe but until you mentioned that the whole little 
peep thing, just staring at it, seeing, seeing the, like, the fluid design of the suit, the reflection of it. To me, I was like, that's a walking, talking Lamborghini that's about to like kick that guy's ass. And I was like, this is great. I, I, to me, to me, I thought that was, okay, he's a dork. He's sarcastic. He's giving you humor, but he's about to beat your ass. And I thought that was the greatest thing ever. And honestly, I thought about 85% of that, in my opinion, was a suit. I, I didn't see it. Like I said, I, I had, I'm, I'm not, you know, crapping on, you know, the previous Spider-Man suit, there was nothing wrong with that, my opinion on it. Um, I do agree with both of you. I believe that it was much more stiff in regards to who he was until this character is now. However, I don't, I, and maybe call me, I don't know, maybe I'm just a sucker just for just wanting to purchase the next big shiny thing. But there was something that complemented a nerdy slender form of a frame that, because like we're coming from previous Spider-Man. Yeah, boom, I'm buff. I'm obviously who I am, but Andrew Garfield wasn't necessarily the same. He obviously was getting his, you know, he's a badass, but he wasn't like, I'm super like human strength. It was still him. So I just think in my opinion, that suit complimented it a little bit more because I thought of the fluid designs of it. Um, once again, maybe it's just, uh, I love shiny new cars because to me, it just seemed to be very fluidic. Um, it, it definitely, as you said, Tony, it definitely complimented his aggressions in what he was doing. Um, so anything in which he was about to do that seemed to be dangerous, or I'd say more authoritative in his own in sense, I think the suit complimented it. That's definitely cool. correct, just because yeah. Andrew Garfield's body shape is definitely very <laughs> different from Tobey Maguire's. Tobey Maguire's, oh. you would never call that dude thick, but he's much thicker compared well, to, yeah. like, of all the Spideys, he's definitely- I seem like a boxer. Right. (laughs) Whereas Andrew Garfield is very, very lean, even with all that. I mean, that's as lean as that's as big as he gets. Like, mind you. (laughs) So, I mean, it just it's like that tracks the fact that like even the the Spidey insignia on the suit is like the legs are longer and skinnier and everything's more exaggerated and everything is like. Uh, the streamlinedness, the fact that it's not like, you know, the, the red bottoms and the blue top, that it is something that's much more sleek and, and, and elongated. Yeah, I definitely feel like that probably plays more to whether or not that's a chicken or egg scenario, the body shape, you know, leading. Yeah, you're totally. Or, or back and forth. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely feels, yeah, very different and very specific to, to this Spidey. Yeah, it's and it's really unfortunate, you know, because like as much as we loved, you know, this Spider-Man and, you know, what we were getting. And I mean, unfortunately, we know what happened with Amazing Spider-Man 2. We know how that was received by the majority of the fan base. Um, I mean, there are people who love it for what it was able to provide. I have my. That's a whole nother review. Um, but, but like I said, but it has nothing to do with, it's nothing to do with Andrew. It has nothing to do with, it's actually all to do with character. It's all, it's all to do with character. Oh, God, the story is awful and the choices yeah. are awful and the designs for some of these other new characters are effing just like, oh, yes, you, that's, that's, that's a choice. And you made good for and, you. And what's even more unfortunate is now this is a, I don't know if this is true, but this is something that I've read online, but it's apparently that they're, it was how Andrew felt about the second movie during time. He was supposed to be promoting it. He wasn't really promoting it a whole lot as he was supposed to. And then apparently uh, there was like some sort of event that he was supposed to go to that apparently the CFO, the the vice, like the vice CFO of Sony was supposed to be at. And like, uh, 
he apparently, well, first of all, he had no idea he was, but he was even there, but he was like, ah, I just don't want to go to the Sony event. Uh, and basically <laughs> the, the, the vice CFO was like, you feel like you're too, you're, you're better than this. Okay, fine. So like, that's why like the Shailene Woodley MJ scene was apparently cut was so that way, like they had no plans to, after that, they damn. decided like, we're not going to do amazing Spider-Man three. So because of that, they were like, now there's no like reason. Like then now there's like, that's why they decided to like not go with it. Now this is, what i've heard whether this is true or not i don't know but this is something that i've read i've read it a few times so it's the only reason why yeah no it does sound (laughs) sound a little spicy but like i know that it was like shortly after that i know that andrew garfield was kind of like laying low not doing much and then like a few years later he ended up doing like god what movie was it i forgot but it was like it was like a little bit smaller budget but it was really really well received i remember his like my his his performance oh it was the movie where he's the soldier the oh, uh, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge, yes, yeah, like <clears throat> so, yeah, but anyhow, uh, uh yes, that's that is a, I, I don't know, what, Tony, have you heard anything about that about the whole Amazing Spider Man 3 cancellation? I mean, I think it's kind of like I, I've not heard anything confirmed, but from my own observation and estimation, it kind of feels like a Batman and Robin situation where you blame the shitty performance of a film, just like, oh, the audience is just tired of Spider-Man. They're, we're just done. We're, we're, we're out of here. And it's like, well, maybe you just made a shitty movie that people weren't excited to go see again and again and again. You got the first weekend box office, obviously. it did it, It's not like it was a flop, not by any stretch. But uh, of course, like these superhero temples are held to a completely different, ridiculous degree in terms of their uh, box office expectations. So it's like if you don't make half a, half a billion, you know, in the first two, three weeks, like you're considered a flop, even though it's like you made all your money back and then some and you continue to make money based upon the merch and everything else outside of the box office. So, no, it's not a flop. But yeah, it just kind of feels like especially with that second movie there's just a lot that just like was squandered. It's like, how do you get Dane DeHaan and Jamie Foxx and then just completely squander any and all opportunity. And then of course, the one time that you're just like, I do want to be comic book accurate. And that's with the death of Gwen Gwen Stacy. And it's like, did we need to, did we need to, is that exactly like what was necessary for this franchise at all? Because literally all anybody has been able to tell you about any of these movies is how people enjoy the chemistry between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. But you, your solution is just to throw a grenade into that and completely end it. Um, Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, (laughs) So it just feels like there's probably a bunch of, I've never heard anything definitive um, as far as that, as that is concerned, I think there is, at this point, you know, especially by uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, the MCU, like the Avengers had already come out, Phase 2 was already up and going. I think they all just kind of took a look and said, like, this is not working, this whole one movie at a time thing this idea that we're going to build off this, because that's what it was leading up to, right? A Sinister, a sinister Six movie. And they clearly didn't know what they were doing. And what I have heard is that outside, especially at that point in time, and I don't know if this is still true. I doubt that it would still be true in 2022. But at that point, um, the story that any that everybody was kind of agreeing on was the fact that if you weren't working at Marvel, so if you were at any other studio that had a superhero property, 
you were more or less embarrassed to be working on it because these weren't folks that grew up thinking and dreaming of creating a comic book movie. These were people who were like, oh, I'm going to make- like, businessmen, yeah. Right, any and every other movie. So the idea that they were going to make this kid's book movie and then have to invest in it to the level that we would require, like as fans and as people who like definitely vote with our money, like they were just largely embarrassed. So that's why the X-Men movies are- eh, that's why the Spideyverse movies at Sony pre Tom Holland, eh, like all those movies that all seem to kind of like anything that succeeds is purely like just on the strength of what happened specifically for that film. But as far as like building up a franchise, a brand, like I think at this point, people just kind of felt like maybe it's just easier to pull the plug and start completely fresh. But at that point, we all know now those conversations then lead to Sony lending the rights over to the to Marvel and the MCU and we get Tom Holland which is great and fantastic and definitive um but now we're in this really wonderful time we're like what are rights what does that mean it means nothing right now <laughs> your Spidey can be both in a Sony film and in the in an animated film in uh, an MCU uh you know a no way home situation um so I, it just feels like at that point, they just kind of gave up because they didn't trust enough in their ability to build a franchise, especially on the fact that like, yeah, I'm sure Andrew Garfield was not jazzed to be part of something where he just was kind of like, this is where we're going. I've never heard him say anything disparaging about the movies, but as a Spidey fan, you couldn't think that what was happening by the end of that film was a good thing. Um so yeah, I don't, it just kind of feels like there's a bunch of things that all kind of like came together to just kind of pull the plug, the, the plug finally. So I don't think any of us are upset about it. <laughs> Other than the fact that we would have liked to have seen more Andrew Garfield, but yeah, it's, it, it is what it is. And that's the end. Yeah. Well, with that said, I feel like we are starting to, we should start to wrap up this uh this uh podcast unfortunately uh where are we sitting on our ratings are we still sitting at our original ratings alejandro tony still getting at the same ratings i'm gonna go ahead and go up to a four out of five i'm gonna be honest with you i'm going to hold out and uh consider the fact that there's a multiverse in the world and think that andrew Garfield has a part possibility coming back uh the reason being is that it seems he has a redemption hero story and it coming in you know i just think it's a possibility so i'm gonna just be like holding on out Come bring them back. Come bring them back. So that's that. Yeah. I'll go four or five. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm sticking at four out of five. I think his uh, reception in No Way Home definitely proves that there's a lot to like in the in this movie. Um, and it definitely definitely a lot that makes up for what we end up getting in the second movie. So uh yeah, I I, I four out of five. I, I enjoy it. I, I love Andrew Garfield. Oh, I I feel that. And I would love to change my score, but I can't because we got this brand new sexy half bucket finally on the screen. I have to utilize it to its maximum potential. So for all intents and purposes, we are not changing my rating. We are staying at three and a half buckets out of five. All right. All oh right. my god! Applaud you for not going down to two and a half buckets. So. <laughs> oh god, absolutely no, 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 no. That that's there is a Spider-Man 
live action property that does get that rating. It's none of the movies. It's one of the earlier shows, but <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that's, that's a whole nother thing. One. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, 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 Tony, where can we find you on the social media? Uh, you guys can find me on all the social medias at uh, the Tony Sanchez, Tony with an I Sanchez with a Z. Look, it says so there on the cup. Oh, you can't see it because it's blurred my background. No. Oh, there we go. Hey, there we go. Yay. Yay. There we go. Um, I'm also going to be at Comic-Con uh, for our Flag Means Death panel that I'm doing with a bunch of super impressive people. It's going to be uh, on Thursday, I believe, at four o'clock uh, in one of the Marriott Marquis uh, ballrooms. So, yeah, go ahead and check that out. That schedule is already up. So, yeah, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Is that gonna be is that gonna be live broadcasted? Because I love the gay pirate show. I don't think it will be, to be honest. I don't think so. I've not heard anything along those lines. So I doubt it. Oh god, I hope someone videotape or someone records it because I would love to be I would love to see that panel. It's 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 gonna be a good time. Yeah. Alejandro, where can we find you? Uh let's see here. Three social media accounts here. Uh, so basically you can find all my acting. Uh, daily, um, I'd say Shenanigans account is going to be I-A-M-C-O-W-I-E. I am Cowie. That's on Instagram or Twitter, Daily Talking Trash. It's going to be Crimson Cowie as in color Crimson and then Cowie, C-O-W-I-E. And then last but not least, Facebook with all sorts of shenanigans, whether it's going to be auditions, acting, you name it. It's going to be Alejandro Cowie. That's it. Nice. And I am Kenji. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Kenjinator. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch at the Kenjinator because someone took the other one. So the Kenjinator on Twitch, and uh, this Sunday and most Sundays, I do uh, a D and D podcast with my father. My father is the uh, DM. It's a great campaign. I highly recommend you all tune in. With that said, thank you so much for joining us once again. I am Kenji. This has been Nam Talk Network. Thanks for joining us. You have a good night.